0: Ha <laughs> cold student goes brrr. That's a little winter meme from your friendly intro guy here at the Asterisk. Throw some marshmallows into your cocoa and prepare to get cozy. It's time to recline on a faux bearskin by the fire with the warm bodies of your president and VPX.
1: Wintry day, this wintry, blustery, nice November day. It's actually
0: not blustery at all. It's like pretty nice outside. I know because I walked all the way here from downtown. It really woke me
1: up, got the blood flowing. Right, and I wouldn't know because I'm spoiled and drove my car.
0: Yeah, earlier you said you drove here without a car. <laughs> it was really, really worrying. I pictured like the guy from Megamind just like kind of flying through the air as if he was driving a car, Looks ridiculous. But we're both here. We're finally here. For those listeners who, I mean, I guess that's all of you who wouldn't know. I was going to say for those who don't know, but to everyone, we are a little behind schedule. We were supposed to be here like two weeks ago, but both of us went into lockdown. Coronavirus became very real for us. Uh, My roommate contracted the, the virus, as it's being called. The virus. The virus. And I requested that we could insert a clip of Cardi B here saying coronavirus Coronavirus. is not a cue for our editor i'm just mentioning it (laughs) (laughs) i uh, I don't know maybe it's copyright maybe we wouldn't be able to insert it she's very famous um but yeah we both went into lockdown for various reasons i think you just came into contact with someone right
1: yeah i had a close contact um and then had to isolate for 14 days but it turns out that ahs actually tells you when you have to stop quarantining so my quarantine was i think it ended up being 18 days so it's pretty long
0: do they tell you when you have to stop quarantining because i got like five different calls from ahs that all said something different
1: i got three calls yesterday Asking me if I had been contacted by somebody to tell me that I'm okay to stop quarantining. (laughs) (laughs) Which is super funny because I hadn't heard of that either. But I think they're really backed up with everything right now. So I'm glad that they released me from quarantining, even though it was three days late. um, Because it would suck to have to quarantine for like a whole month. And I think, Liam, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, the quarantining um stuff because i haven't seen you in a while i don't know what you've been up to um other than when we've been playing video games together (laughs) (laughs) literally
0: trapped in a just a a tiny apartment of despair yes that wasn't super despairing it wasn't as bad as my roommate who had to stay in the bedroom and was not allowed to leave
1: yeah that would be very unfortunate i actually saw some really funny pictures of you playing board games through the door though that sounded fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was um it was kind of difficult. I had to like put my, I had to like get a stool over and then stack a bunch of books and then put my phone on its stand, kind of hanging over the edge of the stool to like stream to my roommate the board. Because <laughs> I couldn't leave either. Like, it wasn't yeah. like I was like, all right, screw you, man. Like stay in your bedroom. I'm just gonna like go out and have fun. Nope. Yeah. I was in close contact, so I had to chill and wait for AHS to call again and tell me a completely different time than what they told me the first time. Yeah. But it's over now, Ryan. Yeah. We're free. What did you we do are. in your quarantine, by the way? Before we move on, I want to know like how'd you pass the time? If any hot tips for any of our students who are locked down entirely right now.
1: Uh I played two games to the point where they were no longer fun. Uh which is one of them's Warzone for sure. One of them is Warzone. Yeah. And the other one was uh, an Age of Empire like game called Anno 2070. Dude, you played Anno is, 2070? I I did play it, uh, but it just gets it gets extremely difficult a bit. That might be a little too specific. Um, I also played Age of Empires, which is really fun. Um, but Age
0: of Empires two, like Age of one? Empires
1: uh age of mythology now is that one that's not age of empires that's age of mythology oh, you dingus my mistake totally thank you for Total the snuff. uh the correction on that one um but then i started playing apex legends which is a little bit of an older game but still fun other than video games i started drinking a lot of tea um, and <laughs> a lot
0: yes and drinking a lot <laughs> yeah oh
1: did i say eight I ate a lot of tea.
0: No, you said drinking. I oh thought you just—I thought you were just going to finish the sentence. Like, I was drinking a lot. I mean, you—you did, you did bring a wine <laughs> bottle in your backpack. I noticed that was an accident.
1: Parking lot wine after this. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is really strange that I started to do. Um, I'm lactose intolerant, Liam. For those of you who don't know, um, but I was stuck at home for 17 days, and what better time to experiment? With foods that I typically shouldn't have than when you're stuck at home. So I got some Crave cupcakes. Only a few meters from the toilet. <laughs> only, exactly. It's very accessible uh, to me. And if, uh, you know, things don't go well, uh, then that's okay. Um, but I figured out that I think I can have butter, which is cool. Um, and was always a theory because apparently butter doesn't have lactose. It's mostly fat. Um, and I had a bunch of Crave cupcakes. How did and it turn out for your toilet? It turned out fantastic and wonderful and fine. So who knows? Maybe that's something that I can have in the future.
0: We were you at all worried about masking your symptoms? Like you get a call from AHS, you feeling any symptoms? It's like, uh, I'm not sure my <laughs> gut is emptying itself. <laughs> My stomach c- hurts all the time. I can't stop eating ice cream. I'm literally sitting on the toilet oh. eating ice cream. And it's just going right through. I
1: I didn't go that far. I wish I went that far, but I didn't have straight-up ice cream. Probably a good call. That might have been a disaster. Uh, I hope this isn't making any of our listeners queasy, but I figure that it was uh, appropriate to talk about because, let me tell you, it was a good time. <laughs> it's a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know... Uh I know you didn't go as far as ice cream, but I have like six pints of Ben and Jerry's in my freezer. Because the first thing I did when I got out of lockdown was go and pick up (laughs) just a shit ton of ice cream.
1: (laughs) That was your your craving?
0: Yeah. Like, I made the mistake. I mean, I guess it wasn't a mistake. It was the socially responsible thing to do. It's like once I found out I had to go into lockdown, like, I found that out when I was kind of out and about. I was being safe. I was socially distancing. I was masked up. Then I found out I had to go into lockdown. And so I, like, just went straight home and went into lockdown. And I, like, immediately regretted not picking up Ben and Jerry's on the way. (laughs) But in hindsight, that would have been the irresponsible thing to do. Don't put people at at risk for Ben and Jerry's. Even though if you have to put people at risk, maybe that's the only thing that would
1: be worth it. But it's
0: not worth it. Don't do it. Ben and
1: Jerry's? All right. I'll take your word for it. You don't like Ben and Jerry's? I haven't had ice cream in, like, eight years. So I don't know. Well, did
0: you know Ben and Jerry? Well, maybe it's Ben. It's only one of them. One of them can't taste. It's Ben and Jerry's, and they, te- yeah, they both test and approve all ice cream flavors under their brand, but I think it's Jerry can't taste anything, and it's not from coronavirus. He just Does he,
1: like, taste for consistency, then? That's is exactly that what he- it, dude. Oh. Ben is all
0: about the taste, and Jerry is about texture. That's why Ben and Jerry's has, like, such great texture. This is just turning into a Ben and Jerry's podcast. Wow. This episode is sponsored by Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> I also will. I like. It's it's not. I'd also like to mention that. I'd also like to mention that I I just figured out like getting out of quarantine. I walked over. I picked up the Ben and Jerry's, and I like picked up a pint of Cherry Garcia, and that was the exact moment I realized it's a reference to Jerry Garcia. <laughs> 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 Twenty three years old, didn't get it until literally like a few days ago.
1: <laughs> Respect. Awesome. Love it, Liam. What did you get up to during quarantine?
0: Um, I did. A lot of painting of miniatures. I'm Fun. a huge nerd. Um, if people have been beaten up in elementary school for liking it, I love it. And uh, Warhammer is one of them. So I painted an ear. Ir- I, I bought, t- I ordered to my house an irresponsible amount of minis, and then I painted some of them. And most of them are still unpainted, and they remind me of all of my shame.
1: <laughs> How long does it take you to paint one mini?
0: Like, depending on the effort, like an hour to paint. And if I paint it good, if I'm like batch painting, like thirty, less time per minute.
1: Hmm. But so you're like a, a a what's it called? What's the thing that the, that Mr. Ford invented? Conveyor
0: line, conveyor belt.
1: I feel like that's not the word. Conve- not conveyor. I know what, people are gonna know what we're talking about.
0: Mass production systems where you just like toss. That's exactly what Supply I do. Supply chain. No. Something. Something. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually, it was funny about halfway through. Uh, my my roommate, who was then allowed to mix with me, um, was helping me and then wanted to unionize. And I, I hired the Pinkertons to bust up her protests. That's that's actually the most direct line to Henry Ford. Was that too niche a reference, in my opinion? I did a lot of research into the history of pandemics while I was in quarantine. And I found Fun. out something that I think is pretty whack that I'd like to tell you about. In a new segment, I'm calling... What did Liam learn today?
1: Sweet. Do you want to get into that now or later on?
0: Yeah, let's call it, let's do it now.
1: Cool. What did you <laughs> learn today, Liam?
0: Um, it wasn't today, but it was a couple of days ago. I learned the discovery of vaccines and how it happened. There was mm. there was a man named Edward Jenner, no relation to Chris Jenner or the Jenner family that we know of. That we know of, unless they're. Somehow related to this dude who was like a hundred, like 1837 or something. Wow. Um, This guy, growing up when he was like 13, he hung around a lot of milkmaids for some reason. Don't ask me why. It's not in the record. (laughs) Um, I guess he just liked just liked the rhythmic. Just it was hypnotizing to him. I guess the pulling of the teat. (laughs) Allowed to say that it's a cow teat. (laughs) It's all right. Um, It's accurate. (laughs) And he noticed that when smallpox like spread through his town. Everyone got it except for the milkmaids. None of the milkmaids got it. There's something about hauling teats that made you immune to smallpox. And later in life, he became, like this 13-year-old grows up, he becomes a, he becomes a student of Louis Pasteur, Ooh. who we have to thank for like safe milk to drink. Because apparently those milkmaids were just like pulling grody milk filled with bacteria back then. Um, he then becomes like he's like oh I remember when I was 13 old Jenny the milkmaid was immune to smallpox for some reason apparently that was just like the safest profession you could do back then other than getting like kicked in the friggin head by a a bull or something I guess you wouldn't milk a bull that would be gross Mm -hmm. you were raising your eyebrows at that and I Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable (laughs) Um, Edward Jenner was his name as uh, I think I already said that anyway he got curious and he was like when I was 13 what was that all about And he realized that cows have like a version of smallpox that only they get it's called get this cowpox creative and his first idea was like he was just like i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna walk out into the field and find a cow that is afflicted with sores all over its body i'm gonna scrape off the scabs i'm gonna put it into a little bit of of, uh, a drink and i'm gonna feed it to a child (laughs) and that child Then was introduced to smallpox intentionally.
1: But cowpox.
0: No, smallpox. Like he drank the like he got he just like essentially like put in the cowpox scabs into his body. And he got sick for a little bit. And then he was fine after. And then later Jenner walked along and was like, Here kid, now have some smallpox which seems like a risky move. But the kid didn't get it. And so Edward (laughs) Jenner discovered vaccination.
1: By drinking scabs.
0: By making a kid drink scabs.
1: So is that what they did then? In the original, in the olden days of vaccination, was they just fed people glasses of cow scab?
0: I'm actually looking at the article. Apparently, it was pus, which is oh even god. Closer. That's
1: so much worse. <laughs> yeah.
0: just take a nice little pustule to the mouth. But that was it. Um, he just like thought that exp- he had this theory that exposure to a mild disease like cowpox would protect protect people from far deadlier diseases. I don't think he knew what was going on with, like, antibodies and all of that. I don't think we knew about the whole immune system's inner workings at that time. But he just mm-hmm. thought, like, hey, if you get a little sick, maybe it'll stop you from getting very sick down the line. Mm-hmm. Now, this theory has its issues because, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you could just go around being like, hey, I'm going to give you the common cold, and then you'll never get cholera. Like, I don't think that's how it works. Um, but yeah, that's how we discovered vaccines. Through this Wild. dude making a kid, James Phipps, drink pus. Wow. Take one for, one for the team, James I wonder Phipps. if he had
1: to get the kid to agree to it, or if it was more just like, hey, I'm, your, I'm older than you, drink this. Was, I wonder if it was a bully situation.
0: It was 1796. I'm going to bet that he didn't have to ask for much consent. He probably just like <laughs> snuck it into the kid's milk one morning. He was like, Hey you go, know, man. Ooh, especially thick milk today. Oh, gross. Yeah, super, Disgusting. Super gross. But hey,
1: now you're immune to smallpox.
0: And that's pretty much all I got for the puss vaccine. I hope everyone's enjoyed. What did Liam learn the other day?
1: Liam, you know, another fun kind of topical thing that I've been thinking about lately is uh, Thanksgiving. Really?
0: Weeks, yeah, weeks after the fact. Why weeks after the fact.
1: It? You know, what sparked it was uh, our friends in the United States. You know, um, it, it's, it's really strange to me that we have Thanksgiving... You know, in October, and they have Thanksgiving at a completely different time. And I was thinking about um, why that is, and and if the holidays are supposed to be different things or have different origins. Like, why do we celebrate these things on on different days? It doesn't make sense.
0: Um, that I agree. I don't have an answer for you, but I am thankful for million ballots. That's I, mean, I hope most. <laughs> I think most of Americans are probably going to be thankful for that right now
1: you know what that was that was kind of i think what really was the the start of the change was that what do they call it like the the thanksgiving election or the thanksgiving tradition of voting in the united states which also is s- strange to me um but one of the one of the things about thanksgiving that that i never knew or kind of i, th- I guess thought i never do was why like why do we have thanksgiving most of our other holidays are kind of religious based holidays but thanksgiving to me was always kind of explained as just like a yeah we're we're happy for food and this is this is like a holiday that's just for you to love your family and that's all and i didn't understand if it had uh you know a reason behind it or like what the historical kind of context behind thanksgiving was and i don't i can't even figure out honestly if it is religious or not it seems to be more religious based in the united states um but in canada it seems kind of it's just i'll
0: interject having grown up religious it's more so that religion just takes over any holiday (laughs) It is able to tie anything back to god you know like it was like happy labor day thank god gave us unions oh i don't know i can't really attest to all of that but like thanksgiving actually has um a long like long long standing ties to like General Thanksgiving uh, celebrations and like festivals of thanks mm. they were called in more like medieval times I think largely associated with the harvest you know. we are all familiar with the con- cornucopia you know oh, that weird yeah. little horn looking thing that has fruit and goodies just spilling out of it I find them they make me un- weirdly uncomfortable yeah Anytime unless I you're I
1: in the Hunger Games in which case it's filled with deadly weapons yeah
0: that's honestly I think that's the root of why I find them uncomfortable <laughs> is that like at the beginning I was also, side tangent, I was pretty pissed off when in like the Hunger Games movie, it's this weird geometric modern art sculpture looking thing. Like I 100% pictured like a wicker cornucopia when I was reading that book and I was totally pissed when it was like some modern art (laughs) exhibit filled with guns. I guess it's like bows and knives. Pretty brutal that. Anyway, (laughs) it's usually associated with the harvest. So do you know Frobisher Bay, you know where that is? no idea okay it's a place in Canada it might have been renamed I think Frobisher Bay was the former name of like Icolowit. Um you know someone's gonna fact check me on that but Frobisher Bay is named after a dude I think named Martin Frobisher um, in any case this dude arrived from England and arrived in Newfoundland in 1578 he wanted to give thanks for his safe arrival to the new world and that you know started Thanksgiving in Canada which which was like a full 43 years before the pilgrims landed in Plymouth in America. And then they celebrated their Thanksgiving. Um, you know, famous, you know, the story, do you, of the American Thanksgiving?
1: No, I don't. So the, do you want to give us a very brief synopsis?
0: Yeah. The Puritans in England were just like, Oh my God, we hate it here. Everyone's so sinful. Like, I can't believe the priests would drink, even though they're allowed to drink. Um, They were essentially, like, they were, like, the far right of their time, (laughs) Um, and they actually got in some pretty big scuffs with the king. The king kicked them the hell out of England because he liked to party. I mean, he was, you know, God-fearing Christian and all that in name, Um, but he wasn't, like, most people at that time were, like, you know, they went to church, they revered God, but they weren't puritans they weren't like oh no joy (laughs) pretty much can be had um we should make our lives like really really hard to make us closer to god so the puritans get kicked the hell out of england they jump on a ship called the mayflower they make their way across uh across the atlantic bunch of them die in the process the ones that live make it to plymouth massachusetts and uh start to starve there instead of on a ship And the Native Americans came along and they showed them how to farm, showed them how to like grow maize um, and kind of to hunt the the animals of the new world. That backfired pretty, pretty (laughs) fast. Um, And there was like probably like a 30 second period where they all got along and (laughs) the pilgrims were like super stoked um that they were able to survive so they started celebrating this thanksgiving That they, they were like thank god we made it to the new world we're not starving so they did thanksgiving
1: crazy yeah and so different origin stories
0: different you know same same but different but same still theme same. yeah yeah same theme they're just stoked that they made it to the new world which like i'd be pretty stoked to to the new world scurvy was a thing falling off the ship in a storm was a thing honestly screw boats I did like a. We both have VR headsets. That's a recent development. And I like one of the first things I did was like take virtual tours of stuff. And there's like, you can do like a virtual tour of the Mayflower. Shit is small. (laughs) Boat is dingy. Not a cruise ship at all, Ryan. There's no, there's not even a swimming pool or a buffet.
1: Have you seen um, the pictures of the Titanic compared to modern cruise ships? (laughs) Hilarious. Yeah. It's also a dinghy. I wonder how the Mayflower compares to the Titanic. Probably another layer of hilarious. Yeah.
0: Oh, you meant like hilarious in size. I was thinking like hilarious difference in opulence. Like I, Titanic's smaller, but I'd rather be on the Titanic than like any princess cruise line. And not just because they're plague ships. Right?
1: <laughs> I hadn't thought about it in that way. But yeah, hey, maybe we got to bring back the opulence of the Titanic in our cruise ships and not just have them as... You know a budget holiday, well, I'm, I would say, <laughs>
0: yeah, I'd say that, but you know, let's keep in mind the opulence of the Titanic was fueled by the whole aristocracy kind of thing, you know,, yeah. I don't think the the serfs down in third class were in, were enjoying the grand staircase and <laughs> the maybe upper not decks, and you know Orion, I think it's worth saying here, so we're like absolutely clear that this is that American story has definitely become. Mm, By this point, and through centuries of, mm, let's say, generous rewrites to make the pilgrims look okay, um, a bit of folklore, uh, it's not necessarily factual, and it probably makes everyone sound like they were better chums than they might have actually been. We're not historians here, not here saying that that's the way it went down, but that's, you know, the legend. Definitely. That's the popular legend in America of how Thanksgiving came about. But the reason it's in November, to get to the root of the problem, is the fact that they arrived in november at plymouth whereas you know this guy martin frobisher came to newfoundland in october of 1578
1: the next thing we want to talk about is uh learning in the plague times liam um and i'm pretty excited about this because we have heard from a lot of students about learning in the plague times and you know what actually we've heard from a lot of instructors too and we see there being a lot of issues on both sides, which is super, you know, interesting.
0: Yeah, and I know we spoke about it a little bit in one of the former episodes, but I think we can will expand on it after this beautiful musical interlude. Hit it.
1: Let's get into it. So some of the things we want to talk about today, uh, and I know our vice president academic Jasmine will be super stoked to hear us talk about this, um, are all of the student issues that we're uh we're talking about right now. One of the one of the main ones that we're talking about, Liam, is online proctoring. Um so like your lockdown browser, your instructor watching you on camera while you're writing an exam and the privacy concerns. Oh,
0: you mean the lockdown browser that I used in a coffee shop and it like really slowed my computer down and it <laughs> detected people moving in the back and freaked out a little bit? Exactly yeah, that one. You know what? That's so great. I the really exact... appreciated using that. It yeah. made my life a pain in the ass.
1: The exact program that we have heard people accuse of being racist. Um, if you have a darker skin tone, apparently it flags you more often, which is super not cool. Um, and lots and lots of students have had problems with it, and profs have had problems with it. Um, and I think,
0: to be clear, I don't think the I don't think the use of proctoring software is inherently racist. The we want to be clear to our listeners: the proctoring software itself is racist. Yeah, it is. Just, the software itself has chosen to discriminate against people. Yeah, that's some racist... And, rare that i've heard of programming just be racist inherently but it's true
1: yeah it almost seems like a a bit out of a tv show (laughs) yeah it does andy the
0: racist robot
1: exactly and yeah and we see we notice that like i said they get flagged more often for having um inappropriate or suspicious behavior
0: (laughs) that is horrible
1: it is absolutely horrible so what are we doing about that um well we've had a few meetings with our institution satan the higher ups there Um, And we've presented these, these uh, issues to them. And, you know, they're, they're actually thinking hard about it. And we've, we've seen a lot of other institutions do really similar things. Liam, I know you're the VP external. Could you tell us a little bit about what those external schools have been doing?
0: Yeah. So I was speaking to, this first kind of came to my attention. Uh, As a student, I had kind of accepted that, oh, you know, this sucks, but, and it's kind of an invasion of my privacy, it made me feel a little uncomfortable, but oh, I guess that's the cost of doing business online. Um, and then I was at a student roundtable with other student leaders and someone from uh, MRU let me know that they just don't have proctoring software. And someone from the U of C chimed in and said, "Like, oh yeah, neither do we. we uh, they talked about it at the beginning, but we advocated against it and laid out all the reasons why it shouldn't be used. And it's kind of an invasion of students' privacy and uh the school just said okay we're not going to do it we no no proctoring software you know take home exams maybe uh in some courses no final um you know kind of cutting the students some slack because they're equal victims mm-hmm. in this in this pandemic um and two things went through my mind one shit <laughs> we should have we probably should have advocated for that i just didn't think it was an issue and we started hearing issues like student feedback and that's when it kind of came onto our re- radar um, and so I was sure to pass on um, the information that MRU provided. I asked them for their kind of document outlining all the reasons that they used, and I uh, was happy to pass it on to our vice president and academic, who has now presented that information to state in turn. Um, I think it's all entirely valid information as well. Uh, I think the, the best rephrase of the problems with this software came from a colleague of ours, uh who said who heard about this and just rephrase it he was like here's the headline <laughs> middle-aged male professor threatens to fail young female students unless shown panoramic view of their bedroom that's <laughs> <laughs> well, not a good look it's not a good look for anyone
1: and it's so funny because that is in some cases Absolutely, exactly what
0: is happening. It is. <laughs> Sorry, you have to show me your bedroom. Yeah. Or uh, you you fail this midterm. Yeah. I mean, that is insane.
1: Most most students do not have money and don't have enough money to have an apartment that has a spare office. Yeah. So where do you do your learning? Well, 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 you do it in the kitchen or your bedroom.
0: Yeah. And like, well, it's in people who are living at home. You can't do it in the kitchen. Oh because yeah. Because then you're having. Your instructor looking into the home life of a bunch of people who'd never even signed up to this school. Yeah. And that's just an invasion of their privacy. Are they going to be caught doing something wrong? Probably not. But let's say you're living in a, in a home with a bunch of roommates, and you're, you're having to do your test in the living room. And for some reason, your roommates are a bunch of shitheads, and they won't stop smoking their bong for your midterm. <laughs> but your professor sees that in the background, and all of a sudden, you're maybe subject to the prejudice that the professor might have against weed for whatever reason now yeah that is a hypothetical situation but the fact of the matter is nothing that happens in that home is relevant to our instruction here at state. especially not when we're paying more for it
1: yeah you know what the other the other thing i think it's important to see the 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 negative stereotypes around kind of like uh, marijuana and that kind of stuff but also what if somebody has a lot of religious symbolism in the background then it just exposes that prejudice that could exist in you know some people and and could potentially negatively impact grades for something that is absolutely personal and not related to um to uh student life
0: yeah well it's not even just you know pot or your personal beliefs it's also just the fact that like if you're doing it in your bedroom as a lot of people do especially if they live at home like i have heard from colleagues um especially You know, female colleagues who uh, have male instructors that they're like cleaning their room um, of, you know, any personables before having to do their exam, which is just like not something you should have to do. Mostly the main theme of this is that anything that's happening on the other side of your camera is irrelevant and should not matter to your examination. Take home exams are a thing that has existed for a long time. One of my like I, I mentioned last time we talked about remote learning that I have an instructor who's really kicking ass at being remote and he does take home Amazing. exams. I mean obviously everything's from home, but you know what I mean. It's like mm-hmm. he just gives you the exam, you submit it a couple of days later. Everything's open book because at this point, you know people are going to have access to their textbooks. I yep. mean it, even let's face it, even with this proctoring software it detects if your face is in the screen. It does not detect if you have a whiteboard with all of the answers or like all of your hot tips to the, just to the right of your screen. Like it doesn't detect if you have notes. Now, all of the ones that I've had are open notes anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But like, I, I have to imagine there's probably some instructors out there who are saying like it's closed notes, closed test, make sure you're in a jail cell with yeah. nothing else around. And yeah. it's like, it's just, it's not effective. And it's an invasion of privacy.
1: Yeah. And I think what you said is a really good solution to that. Just make the exam open book or or make it have, you know, a tighter timelines, so that if you're not as prepared for the material, then you don't know where to access it. And maybe you can't finish it in time. Uh, obviously, that doesn't work for people who need more time for exams, have those kind of general accessibility issues. But for the majority of our students here, you know, open book exams should be fully acceptable, um, especially in the plague times.
0: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm one who kind of believes that almost all exams should be open book um, in the sense that you really should be testing your students on their methodology mm-hmm. and their knowledge of the material. Um,
1: Not on their memorization skills.
0: Precisely. Like if you're making people memorize one specific formula that they then dump out of their head, then that's kind of useless. If you're teaching your students how to use reference material effectively... That's a skill they can carry out through their career. I mean, I'm in engineering yeah. technology. Engineers are kind of famous for in their office having just like all of the textbooks that they used in school. Like engineers, a lot of them don't sell their textbooks. Because and like for many of our my courses that I'm in now, they're like, okay, go buy that textbook. You'll need it in your career. Hmm. Um, and, and that kind of compounds with the whole idea of the like having one shot. To do your exams in the first place this is more of a general gripe, but like if you're designing a bridge as an engineer in three hours without any peer review, uh, that's not bad <laughs> idea. Not don't do that. That's probably don't how the do Quebec that. bridge disaster happen. Yeah,
1: you know we don't want bridges that are designed in a three-hour time with no reference material, based on memory only, and not checked by anyone.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> no, that's kind of a general gripe. It's not for proctoring software. But my main thing is that this proctoring software isn't effective anyway Mm -hmm. so why make students take on this burden of having a camera into their private domicile well breaking bread wine for you guys it's my own private domicile and um for essentially for nothing i mean i kind of hate to say it i'm certainly not advocating for it but if people are gonna cheat they're gonna cheat so instead of Punishing people, instead of putting this proctoring software on there in the hope that you're going to mitigate cheating, which could happen anyway because the proctoring software is ineffective, just change the parameters of the test. Mm-hmm. Make it open book. Make it a take-home exam. There's so many solutions to this. We can still test your students' knowledge yep. without essentially burdening them with the software.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the other things that we we hear from students a, a lot, the privacy concerns with proctoring definitely being one of the main ones, but the other one is cost. And I know we both have some pretty strong feelings around cost, and we've been doing a lot of things right now to try and, you know, help students with that, but make sure that school doesn't become unaffordable in the future. Um, The main kind of issue right now that we're seeing a lot of people talking about is the value piece you know, we move to an online school uh, and we pay 7% more in tuition in the same year. It seems really weird. It seems like when you're paying more for something, you should be getting more of the something. And to be, I think, in a lot of students' opinion, getting less of that something just feels wrong. It feels yeah. bad.
0: Yeah, so last year, it's a big it's kind of complex issue. Um, We've been told by institutions, kind of across the board, student associations being told by their institutions that offering classes online is actually more expensive for them, Um, which may be true given the additional cleaning staff, all of the procedures they have to follow, the administrative burden uh, of keeping up to date with those procedures, but that is none of those things matter if you're working from home. If you're a student who is online only, why are you carrying the burden of the costs for the people, the, few, the small segment of the population that's actually in person. Now that cleaning stuff is essential and the institution doesn't have a, a, a say in it, but ultimately that is a hard pill to swallow for students who are already struggling financially, many of whom have lost their part-time jobs at restaurants, et cetera, during this pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm. And have to spend more money to create an environment at their house where they can learn. Yeah. Like for, for example, I had to buy a desk Desks are desks aren't cheap. Even if you buy one off, you know, Kijiji or something. If you don't have a car, how do you get a desk to your house that you need to get on Kijiji?
0: I put it in the back of an Uber XL, and I'm not even joking. <laughs> and the Uber drivers don't appreciate it.
1: <laughs> a desk in their Uber XL? Yeah, it's hanging. I can imagine. My
0: I put a 65-inch TV into the back of an Uber XL once, and they were not happy. Yeah. Um, the other, like, like okay, let's say here it's here it's Saint. Last year, we, as the, or the board of directors of SETSA, approved two fees. It was a technology and a support fee. Are those fees that were supposed to go towards updating technology on campus and to student support services, are they being utilized this year? And are students paying those fees this year?
1: They are paying the fees.
0: Are they using the new technology that it was going to be invested into on campus?
1: Uh yeah it's a it's a question that I think really we don't have we don't have an answer to yet. We
0: don't have that answer. I'm not mm-hmm. here saying like no they aren't. I genuinely want to know that answer. Mm-hmm. Um but I think even if the students who are on campus are using it a large segment of the population isn't. And mm-hmm. it's a, no matter how you cut it it's a very tough pill to swallow for students.
1: Mhm. Definitely is. Um the other the other part of this kind of issue and the the counter argument that we hear a lot is you know, well, if school is unaffordably expensive, then the laws of supply and demand will indicate that less students will start coming to school. Well, that that only works if, if if school isn't a need, you know, if school is just a, a thing that you can do to get yourself ahead. But we're seeing that, um, you know, school is a, a, essential, especially when you're competing against a population where I think it's something like 50, 60% of the population is educated um, with a diploma, a degree, a professional certificate, anything like that. How can you compete when you don't have something like that? It is becoming more and more of a need every day, especially to, um, and my last kind of point to this, as society and technology and the way we do things becomes even more and more complex. You need an education to be able to understand it. It's not, you know, your dad's old car anymore that doesn't run off electronics and everything you can just kind of figure out. It's, you know, increasingly complicated.
0: Yeah. And it, I mean, a high school GED is essentially worthless. And that's not in the sense that you shouldn't graduate high school. It's in the sense that if you graduate high school, the universe, essentially the, our society currently goes, great. Now, what are you going to do? What else are you going to learn? Um, and the idea that our public system, I think the I think our the fact that we have a public education system already recognizes, the fact that we want an educated populace, and the necessity of having everyone kind of at the same baseline—if that goalpost has been shifted, there's an and the fact that that goal that shifted goalpost has an associated and massive kind of lifelong burden cost is already pretty uh, pretty grotesque. Um, the fact that students are now paying more for what overwhelmingly we hear from them they view as less is an issue. That's Mm -hmm. an issue that needs to be addressed. And I think there's lessons to be learned from these, from learning in the plague times. Um, I know at ASEC, um, the Alberta Students Executive Council, we're developing a committee to kind of advocate for things moving forward, things like hybrid programming. Um, That cost issue right now is still something, and it probably will be for for a while. It's something that students are are, are not very happy with. that being said we're doing what we can at a to uh, kind of advocate on that behalf we're advocating for a cascading increase in tuition since if it's going to happen which it is going to happen i want to be clear we had an, an mla one time tell us oh you're advocating for more tuition <laughs> that's not the case the government is raising t- the government is allowing institutions to raise tuition and they are we're advocating for them to raise it less um but this problem is going to persist for a while
1: and actually at SAIT too, we have on academic council this year, um, SAIT and the instructors and deans and all the important people here at SAIT have created a committee in order to assess whether school is affordable, what affordable means, what affordable means for different groups of people and all that kind of stuff. Um, again, though, this is a huge conversation. I'm glad we had to, to speak. We had the opportunity to speak a little bit about it today. Um, I think we're running out of time though, Liam
0: yeah i can hear the i can hear the transition music coming actually oh no oh no it's getting louder It's going away. Thank God, transition music. Sometimes it just comes in here. It's just, you know, we can't talk. I feel myself not being able to breathe. That magical transition music gets me every time. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what helps.
1: the Maybe that's what the technology fee is used for.
0: Damn that ghost of! Oh no, I don't have a ghost name for today. <laughs> that's his name, the ghost of me <laughs> for forgetting to get him a ghost name. <sighs>
1: Uh, All right, let's jump into our headlines section here. Liam, what did you find for fun, funny headlines over this week?
0: You know, that's what really primes people for laughter, is telling them they're about to hear something funny. You're a great comedian, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a few hot little tamales for you this week. Belgian racing pigeon sold for $1.89 million. Wow. Now I have pigeons on my apartment balcony. I would pay someone $1.8 million to kill all pigeons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can I, you go on your balcony or have they taken over your balcony? I,
0: I gratuitously purchased a power washer in my tiny apartment and then shot all of the pigeon shit off of my balcony because it was like no. a thick layer. And I warned people for like 10 floors below me. I was like, don't go on your balcony between these hours. And so now I can go on my balcony. The balcony below me. I wouldn't recommend going on.
1: (laughs) Not if it's raining. Pigeon poo.
0: Yeah. Wet pigeon poo slurry. (laughs)
1: Um, In other news, two kayakers were almost swallowed by a whale.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I already have thalassophobia. That's fear of the deep ocean, by the way, for our Uh, listeners. Does this
1: make it worse? It does. It seems like it would. I
0: grew up on the coast, and you'd think that would make me more comfortable with it. Uh, Nope it made me respect it
1: <laughs> did you ever have a close experience with a whale yeah
0: i actually really yeah so i learned to sail at a young age um well not that young it was like a preteen through early teens and we would sail these little dinghies um and then we kind of moved up to something called a laser which is kind of a racing skiff um we went sailing one time. In Victoria, you can sail out to this island called Discovery Island, kind of do a lap around it and then come back. When we were in the strait between the island and Discovery Island, a whale passed pretty much right b- below us. Um, we were able to just see it kind of like break break the surface, do its little psh, and then it went back underwater and we saw it pass beneath the boats. Um, wow. It wasn't directly under my boat. Thank God, I would have died immediately. I just would have had a heart attack and fallen in the water gotten eaten by a whale the first time that's ever happened because i don't think people get eaten by whales marks and spencer's the british pastry outlet has a new christmas pastry called santa's
1: yum nut oh no is mm. it is it is it intentionally dirty nope yum it's Nut. nutty is it a donut
0: it's a donut who <laughs> wants a bite of santa's yum nut says their, <laughs> says their twitter our yum yum donut hybrids have become given a christmassy makeover And now apparently we're calling them Santa's Yum Nut. (laughs)
1: Santa's Yum Nut. Who wants a bite of Santa's Yummy Nut? Whoever's working on the marketing for this uh, bakery either needs a raise because they got in the news or a demotion because they couldn't put Yum Nut as maybe not so child-friendly. Definitely a
0: raise i'm on the raised side of that i mean we saw how popular like brands going on twitter and sassing each other has become like everyone loves the wendy's twitter because they yep. just go around talking shit to all the other brands <laughs> um, until now it's become kind of a saturated market and so like anytime a, a t- brand on twitter like tries to be like relatable i hate it and i try never to buy it unfortunately the baconator has me by the balls and mm. i will never stop eating a wendy's. delicious burger
1: so mm.
0: i once ate two double baconators in one sitting and uh it was worse than having the almost bends.
1: You know what? Maybe I could have one of those with cheese on it and I'd be fine. Actually, quarantine's over. I'll have to I'll have to think about that one.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll go to Wendy's after after this yeah. and test your theory. We'll have yeah. to call ahead and make sure they have a plumber on site. Yeah, let's do it. Naked Florida man chases people and cops around Chick-fil-A parking lot, telling them they're gay for looking at his penis. <laughs>
1: A a classic nice circle argument, right? Oh, I'm naked. Stop looking at my penis.
0: (laughs) The Asterisk, with Ryan Morstad and me, Liam Hunter. The Asterisk is a production of the State Students' Association. You can rate and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you do, it might appear in future episodes. Got a question or feedback for us? Shoot us a message through statesacom slash podcast. Your question might be included on a future episode as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to The Asterisk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any fine podcast monger of your choice. Thanks to State's Legacy 88 Committee for the gear to produce this episode. This podcast is supported by you, so thank you for listening. This is Liam, signing off.